Good morning, North America. Welcome to Church Talk TV, lively talk about life, church, and church life. I'm your co-host, Dr. Bill Tenney Britton, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Dr. Chris Tenney Britton, and we're broadcasting from our studio in Columbia, Missouri, the heartland of America. Say good morning, Chris. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Church Talk TV. Chris and Bill Tenney Britton here today to talk about, well, we're going to talk about some small church stuff, and we're going to talk about specifically three things that keep small churches small. Well, and it's really hard. There are a lot of different factors that keep small churches small. And we knew that we needed to keep it to three because we only have half an hour. So we, uh, so we have narrowed it down. But if we were still narrowing and trying to say this is what we're going to do up until just a few moments ago. Uh, and at breakfast, we were just tossing some pieces out that we thought we would, you know, share with you just real quick. Minor points. These are just not major things. points. Yeah. But one of, the, one of the minor points that, that we've heard in almost every small church that sure. we've ever worked with is if, if, we, if we grow, we won't know everyone's names. And my response to that, which is, my response in my head to that is, well, duh. So, you know, because if you know everyone's name, you are a small church. And that a growing church, a healthy church is bringing in people who you haven't met before. And, you know, of course, that means you actually have to make the effort to go meet them. But even at 100 people, which is right. not a big church, right. really, it's, it's bigger than the average. But it, it's 100 not people, sustainable you, these you, days. You, yeah, it's right. right. It's, okay. it's, not a, it's not sustainable. Right. But in other words, you can't get a full-time salary out of it. You can have a part-time pastor with 100 people, but a full-time pastor, you know. Or one disaster could take you out. I mean, we were talking right. to somebody the other day, and their, their treasurer had embezzled $20,000. And if they weren't able to get that back, they would have been done. They right. would have been yeah. Gone. I mean, right. they're that on the edge. Right. Exactly. So, right. so you know, but if you even in a hundred people, you don't know everybody. You can't. You can't. It just doesn't work that way. Our, our brains, our cultures, whatever. You may remember. You may be able to recognize people, but you won't know them. Well, okay. So that made me think just now when you said that. It's like Cheers, where everybody knows your name. Right. But if you look at Cheers in that bar, how many people are in that bar? And right. as bars get bigger and they're neighborhood bars, and people really do know one another. Somebody might walk in and go, Norm, or, you know, whatever. Uh, but they don't all sit together, right? right? And, you can only greet so many people and hang out together. Right, and part of the part of the genius of Cheers and, and really kind of the, the irony of it is that they never did actually know everybody because there was always the extras hanging oh, around yeah, at the other good. tables. Everyone knew the name who sat at the bar, but not around the group. So, you know, the, the bottom line is yeah, you're, you're in crowd, you're out crowd. It works in well, church, too. And I think like we'll have to watch some episodes. But some of those people sitting at the bar sat by themselves. Right, exactly. Right? Every and now and again, you might get somebody else, right? who chimed in or something, right. but but they weren't really part and, of the And everyone didn't know their name. Right, exactly. <laughs> Nobody knew their name. Exactly. I'd love to see. Okay, no, we don't have time for that. We All don't right. have time for this. Right. But that okay. is one. Everybody knows. Uh, want to know everybody's name. You just want to be a small church. There are a whole lot of issues that right. can go with that, right? And we, beyond well, so I mean, knowing everybody's name, right. right? We just, we like having things our way, which also says, well, we want to be in charge. But I think we're getting, we're going to get into that a little bit. Yeah, that. that's because yeah. that is one of the major things. Right. What else? And, do you well, say? I mean, I just want to, want to just, 
um, I've, I've forgotten, so never mind. Why don't we jump into this That's and a talk God about thing. We yeah, just go on. Right, so there's, there's three main things that we have identified that we think that keep small churches. Well, actually, we know these things keep small churches. We think they're some of the top three. Others might disagree with the order of things, but this is where oh, yeah, the way... yeah, these aren't in order. Right. We, and, they're and, factors. And there, and there may be other things that we're not going to cover that others might. But here's the deal. is For us, these are the things we've identified over the last 40 years yeah. in ministry and 20 years in church consulting. And they don't change. Isn't right, that these, interesting, right. right? I mean, this just keeps going. And I think, uh, think at least one of these is more, well, can I just start us Yeah, off? go for it. Okay, so the first one is survival mode, where they really are in survival mode. And I think we're seeing this one more and more right. because more and more churches now are are having to, are facing their mortality. Len, Len Sweet at uh, Duke University um, some years ago talked about the death tsunami that was coming to churches. Yep. He was talking about at the aging of the churches and that they, the older people or the, the existing people then, were whatever age they were, they weren't being replaced by younger people and right. that there was going to come a time where everyone in the church was pretty much in their 70s and 80s and 90s and then you're going to start having funeral after funeral after funeral. In fact, one of the pastors that we're working with has had four funerals in the last two weeks yeah. um, and he's in a very small church mm -hmm. and it's a, they're, they're stacking up. And that's the death tsunami. And the problem is, is that in a lot of small churches, not all, but a lot of small churches, the vast majority of the people there are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, and with the occasional uh, centenarian there. But uh, the, the bottom line is that there's a death tsunami coming, and they're, they're kind of in survival mode. They're, they're just not trying to. They yeah, are in survival yeah, and, mode. And they're, they're trying to... Just hang on. They just want to hang on, and they, they, they do want to grow. Don't get us wrong. Right. We, we don't know very many churches that have said, we don't want to grow. Right. But they want to grow, but because they're in survival mode, they have circled the wagons, and look, they, they've turned to look at each other and, and said, what are we going to do? Right. And that's the focus, is what are we going to do? And because of their, they're in survival mode, they're in fear. They're, they're, they're in a place where they are so afraid that they're paralyzed. Well, and, and they don't know what else to do, right? right? I mean, we're seeing that all the time when we come in as consultants and we, we bump up. Uh, you get a small group, right, a small leadership group. Sometimes, well, I say a small leadership group. I mean, sometimes a small part of the leadership and not all of them are on board with that. You get the pastor, you know, who's, who's there and, and is on board or wanting to do something. They brought us in because they don't know what to do for right. themselves. Right. But in this survival mode, it's, we're going to do what we've always done. And, and we can't get past that. I mean, I went and did a, uh, a, did a consultation with the church that had been easily mid-sized and was rapidly uh, uh, declining. declining because they didn't like the pastor and there were a bunch of movements and, and whatnot. And these uh, two men who had been leaders, but they were pro protesting by their absence, uh, with their absence and their money, which means they weren't faithful people regardless. Anyways. I call those people uh, traitors, but hey, you know, well, they're disloyal. for them. Yeah, anyways, not members. Uh, but they came not and I sat down. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I sat down with the two of them. And uh, as we're going, the one man said, well, I don't know what he's doing, what he's thinking, that we, because this is what we've done. I've been this, I've been that, and we've always done it this way. And I have heard that 
probably hundreds of times people will say it, but it's always with a, a sad facetiousness. And I was about to say something witty, and I realized they were absolutely serious, and I had to bite my tongue. I had no answer for that one. Oh my goodness. Here's, here's the reality, folks, is when a church hits survival mode, one of the things that happens is, again, they become interfocused, and they're more uh, concerned with keeping what is right. than they are about growing. They do want to grow, don't get me wrong, but they're, they're really more concerned about hanging on. You know, right. how, do we, how do we cut our budget so we can live longer? Right. Um, how, do we, how do we make sure we don't lose any members? When, in fact, a lot of small churches, what really needs to happen is there's a couple members they need to lose, um, and that, that's hard to say. No, it's really not hard to no, say, because but it's hard to hear. Um, a lot of churches are like, yeah, but we can't afford to lose anybody. If you don't lose somebody's, the people who may be getting in the way of what will really is keeping you from growth, right. then you're not ever going to grow. Right. It's just a reality. And there's also the whole thing of not not just losing people, but we're we're going to lose the way we've always right. done things. This is how we do worship and whatever. Right. And, that, and there's this this fear that if we change, we're going to lose our inner group. And if we lose our inner group, all's lost because there's no one coming in. Right. Of course, there's no one coming in because we're totally focused on right. hanging yeah. on to the inner group. Exactly. It's a catch-22. Exactly. <laughs> Recently, we worked with a church, and we kept hearing this person was so critical of what the church was doing. And, and just little little tweaks even in that point or at that time. And all they kept saying was, it's not going to work. Well, you just think this. You don't understand. It's every, here's, here it is, you know, the book, right? right. And uh, and the handbook. The textbook. The textbook, yeah. Tex textbook responses. We got to get that done. Anyways, the, uh, they're going, she's going on and on and on until she completely goes off. And in retrospect, and when we get to encounter her again, um, you know, our, our statement is how, how has that worked for you? Right. Or that hasn't worked for you. That hasn't worked for you. That hasn't worked for you. Which is, which is the key to moving forward is to face reality as reality. Right. Um, because, I mean, there is, we get into survival mode, we're just trying to hang on. And the problem, again, with just trying to hang on is you're not... Uh, in, in a state of mind to say, we need to try something new. Yes, it may alienate some of us. Some of us may not be very happy. We may actually lose someone or two or five. But the bottom line is, is that you can either lose your future or you can lose what you're hanging on to. And it, you're going to lose what you're right. hanging on to. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. You're going you're gonna to lose it when you die as a congregation right. or you're going to to lose it when some of the key members die. Right. I mean, one of the reality checks uh, regularly when I find a church that's like this, I'll look around and say, "Who? Which one of you? Which which of you is going to be here still alive in another ten years?" And I've seen There's people often a in lot their eighties, right? Yeah, people in their eighties saying, "Wow, I'm I don't know if I'm alive. I probably." will be in some kind of assisted living. Or some people will say, I'm moving to, to the Florida South, right? Whatever, yeah. that, that I'm not going to be here. So you start to see the people who are, are usually the most uh, vociferous and, and loudest. Adamant yeah, that we're not changing. That, we can't afford to change. Right. And, and you start to say, okay, who, who is going to be here? Well, my book, uh, Shooting Ourselves in the Foot, How to Prevent Congregational Suicide, it's, it's built on... Um, on survival mode, how we how we take and we can overcome survival. Uh, you have to stay where you are while you're looking for help, 
and then you you get help from outside because you can't go wandering around. Right. And and that is one of the problems uh, that churches have done is uh, some of them in their desperation and and in their pastor's desperation at times are trying all kinds of different things that aren't suited for their setting. And they don't have a strategy. I mean, right. that's, that's the key, is you have to have a strategy to say, this is the strategy we're investing in, this is the strategy that makes sense to us, right. and this is the strategy we're going to use. Because if you choose this strategy today, this strategy tomorrow, right. this, uh, you, you, you don't get any forward movement. And if you don't have momentum, right. your church cannot move out of survival mode. Right. It's just how it is. Okay. Yep. Okay, so yeah. We, we I, could beat this yeah, one. We, we could beat all of them. Yeah to, right. yeah, to 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 a pull. Okay, but, but we have to keep moving. We do, we do. All okay, right. so there's, there's survival mode is is, and we think that's one of the top ones because when you're in survival mode, you don't want to change. And if you're unable to change, if you're paralyzed from fear or just we're not doing it, then you're gonna die. That's just how it is. So we move into the next one. Go ahead. Wait, no, right, I right, want to yeah. add this. Yeah, right? absolutely. Is, is that some of the ways you can tell if you're in survival mode uh -huh. is if they're cutting the budget. If they're looking at counting the uh, cutting the hours, uh, the, pastor's the pastor's hours, hours. Uh, I, I've seen a couple churches where they wanted to cut the pastor's vacation time. You know, uh, as if that's going to help. Right, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, so if you're looking at budget cutting, or if that keeps coming up in your uh, in your meetings, and that's what's getting in the way, or if the primary focus is on money. Yeah, we're running out of money good, and we're good. and everything is about money. We need to do fundraisers, we right. need to do this, we need to cut budget, we need to get more money, da da da. Right. If if that's the focus, you know, here's here's a reality, a, a saying that I've recently developed is spreadsheets don't inspire anybody. Maybe the occasional accountant, but it doesn't inspire anyone in the church. And if your spreadsheet says we're in trouble, don't use a spreadsheet to inspire people. It doesn't work. Okay, so I, that's the thing I want to say about right. this, right? Get the last word, sorry. Uh, is Won't be the first that, time. No, it won't be the first time. Uh, no, is this. This is where you may need outside help because you've got to have somebody who can come in and help you and give you. I, I'm, lately, I've been thinking of coaching, uh, consulting as prescription writing, right? Helping to make a diagnosis, but then helping to write the, the prescription. So if you're noticing this, you need a consultant or somebody to come in, in and help you with making uh, working a right. strategy because, as you say, you can't sit up there and just do the spreadsheets and say, hey, this is what's going on, then they won't worry about cutting the pastor's salary or holiday. <laughs> They're going to cut the pastor right. and find somebody who will give them and, and, and with, take care with of With this caveat is, is if your church is entrenched in survival mode and you don't think you can break through that, yeah. then don't call a consultant because it's already lost. Go. Just go. Yeah, just, Save yeah, because, yourself. Because, because it, yeah, find someplace else to be. Because the bottom line is, is that a church that is fully entrenched in survival mode is one of the 80% of the churches that are on plateau or in decline that are going to close. Only 20% are in the, on the, um, of churches that are in decline or on a plateau are likely to turn around. 20%. That means 80% so are going to die. All right, so okay, moving on, survival mode, because survival mode doesn't help people survive right. or churches survive. Well, and this one builds on survival mode, right? right? Yeah. Uh, it's depression and self-esteem. When a church is depressed, as a congregation, they're depressed or they have low self-esteem. Uh, yeah, go look up the uh, how to diagnose clinical depression. I'm, I'm absolutely serious right. here. If you look at what uh, the diagnosis, how to the diagnose criteria, the criteria, criteria for, that's it for, an, uh, for clinical, clinical depression. depression, 
and take it out of individual and, and look at it, it at a, your congregation. Right. And you may, I just, that blew me away when I, I learned that several years ago. Um, here's another part with, with this. Um, I found that the, for so many people, ministers too, it's hard to break this in ministers, church equals God. So what I hear from ministers is, well, I'm serving God. That's, you know, I have to work 100 hours a week because that's what God demands of me. No, that's what the church is demanding of you. God is not demanding that, that of you. So when you are a church member, and church equals God, and you get closer to mortality, or there, maybe you're younger, I'm not, this isn't just about age, but mortality is there for you. You don't want anything to change in the church. You want it to stay the same. Or uh, the other part of that is that people, people will panic, and it's that survival mode in a way, but it's kind of more, it's not, it's maybe the it's not the opposite of survival. I don't know how to explain it. My metaphor has totally fallen apart. But it's, I don't, if, if the church changes, God changes. What does that say about my afterlife? What does that say about my eternal life? If this is not eternal, if this changes, then is God going to change? And is God going to be there? And even more functionally, some people don't want the church to change because they want that pastor to be there, that pastor or another pastor. They want them to be there to bury, bury them. them. And yep. they want their church to bury them. I mean, that's that's always a kicker. Hello, your church is dying, cause it's, so it's not going to be there when you die, right? Right. Well, right. So here, here's the coming back to the yeah, depression sorry. and self-esteem thing. <laughs> uh, and I don't disagree with what you said. But when it comes to depression and self-esteem, so often we hear we're just a small church. Oh. We're, we're, we're just a small group of people. We've been in this town forever. There's, and then sometimes there's a community depre community oh, depression oh, yes. where the community has been in decline, and you know, and so we don't. There's just it, we're hopeless. We 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 and I and I, and I mean not like they're hopeless. Right. I mean they have no hope, and it's like they they've just fallen into this pit of despair right. that we, we don't deserve a pastor. No pastor would ever oh, want us. Oh, we can't oh. find the staffing we need, um, you know, and want whatever. I, I had this conversation with a pastor just the other day, and I said, have you looked within the congregation to see if there's someone there who could be raised up? Well, yeah, but I never thought about that. It's like, well, maybe you ought to think about that because one of the great things is, is if you have been in the process of instilling a decent DNA, someone from the congregation who gets it and is as has been raised in that DNA or has, has embraced that DNA is the perfect or maybe the perfect person to be whatever position you're trying to find because you you know you bring someone to the outside they come with their own DNA and you have to splice yours and do gene splicing and whatever the, 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 here's but here's the deal is that when there's this this depression in the community or whatever it, the, the depression is again because we've become self-focused we've looked at where our world is, where our our world, our church world is, where our community world is, and you know, and all we've seen are the losses. When the reality is, and we're working with a church right now that's growing. They're in a church. They're in a community of 654. It's not a thriving community, um, and they have almost doubled in size. Now, you know, they weren't a big church. They didn't go from 100 to 200. They they went from 30, and they're they're knocking on the door of 60 in three months. Why? <laughs> because they because they realized that there are people in their community that don't go to church. In fact, in your community, 
um, you have at least, at least 80% in your community do not attend church on a weekly basis. And in fact, only about 70% attend church pretty much at all. No, sorry, not 70%, it's 30% attend church at all, which means that 70% of your community is wide open. Fair game. Fair game, and well, no one goes to church. Well, that's not true. If, if you bring a big box church with all this stuff and whatever, a whole bunch of those people will come. No, I'm not saying go be a big box church, but I'm saying if they're willing to go to that, would be willing to go to that church, then there's some things you can do to attract those people who are not going to church, but who might be willing to show up if they found or felt like the church was offering something that was relevant and valuable to them. Well, I just saw another church talk I think we need to do, but and, and it's this, that in those little communities, you will see big box churches right. and people put them down. It's the wrong, we mainliners especially will say, oh, they're preaching the wrong, wrong theology. Wrong gospel. Right. Whatever, and then, yeah. yeah. And I, I often think then why are the judges going down there and, you know, or like other bank leaders and stuff? It's not like they're going to Civic leaders. In. Yeah. Civic leaders. Yeah, right? right. It's, it, you know, I, we heard this in Seattle from everybody was blaming this church and it's horrible minister and theology. And it was like, you've got thinking intelligent high-functioning people there, right. you know. But, okay, all of that aside, I, there are some things we can learn. We, we, you know, again, this comes to size stuff. What's working there, the techniques wouldn't work here, but what so many of those tools, church specific tools, tools, right? right? But what they've discovered is what people need, and then that can translate to your setting. What do people need in our That's in right. our, our congregation community? But right. okay, now so I want to do that. I'm going to keep this for a moment, and, and that is that depressed people. When your community is depressed, the people are depressed, and that means you have depressed people in your congregation, right? And I watched a church leader frustrated the heck out of me. I was doing consultations and coaching with them a number of years ago, and uh, her house had caught on fire. And she, I mean, just, she was living in all of this hell, but she was bringing all that hell into the church. And so they couldn't do this, and that wasn't gonna work. She was living out her life, and the church led her. You know, because that's what churches do. So you've got to watch, and now I'm thinking, pastors, that maybe doing sermon series or being aware of depression uh, is individual in your community. There's this opportunity to bring hope. So how are you going to, not just message-wise, but how do you help to turn that, that around? And, and, and I, I just want to build on what you just Go, said. Please. Is you, you have depressed depressed community. Your congregation is depressed. What do they need more than anything else? They need hope. And if you are in survival mode, of course, there is no hope. You're just trying to survive. You're treading right. water. You have no life preserver. Right. And the sharks are circling closer. But, and when you're depressed, you can't, very often can't see beyond. So you need to find, again, either someone from outside or someone who is inside who has the hope, who sees the, and begin to get them, outsiders or insiders, to begin to talk and speak hope and to bring hope, really bring hope. And that means moving out of survival mode and out of looking at ourselves and saying, what do the people in our community need? And then offering those needs. And I'm not talking about you need to open a food pantry. I'm not talking about a clothes closet. No, no, I'm no. Off, I'm talking about 
the Bible has, and Jesus has, incredible answers yes. for all of life's issues. Yes, yes. Begin to talk about that. Begin to show people how they can apply the financial principles that Jesus taught, yes, the, yes. the relational principles that Jesus taught, the, yes. the, um, the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the work ethic that Jesus taught and, and the New Testament teaches. You know, begin to talk about those things, offering hope, offering tools, it, and then begin to talk about it so people start hearing that there's hope here. And here's the reality is if you're working on your spirituality and the church's spirituality, not just doing Sunday school, you're actually doing spiritual development stuff, and, and you're talking words of hope, people begin yeah. to pick up on that. Yeah. And you can move out of the depressed mode into a motivated mode, into a momentum mode where you are beginning to pick up the steam to grow. But you're going to have to get over that it's all about us and, and you're going to have to get over that, that it, it's all about we're about ready to die. Yeah. You have to say there's hope. Right. That's the only way out of depression. Right. And survival mode. Yep. Right. Okay. So think about how you can preach that. And you mentioned, uh, you know, spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, and and whatnot. Uh, I got to thinking just this morning. What if you taught a new spiritual practice to your congregation every week? Right. I don't know. I'm gonna try it. Okay. So right. now we so gotta go because time got, is yeah, running. Yeah, right. And Here and we, we go. Got started started. And this one. Right. This one's actually. It, it's it's a huge issue. And again, right. the other two are really huge. But this, they go together, right. even though they're very separate. And that last one is? Decision-making, majority rules. And I, I, here's my one story, or like my own personal pastoring story. Uh, it, in, in a senior pastor in a church, and we doubled in size. And, and this wasn't a small church. This wasn't from 30 to 60. This is this 100. Church that, we went to 200. Right. And, and they were on their way to 300. 300. Yeah, we did 300 our last Christmas Christmas Eve service there, had to go to two services. Anyways, uh, we were, um, uh, we were, the we being the church, the executive committee, we had an opportunity, the executive committee had talked about it and decided it was worth going to the board with. And so we, we took it to the board, we, uh, we introduced it to the board, and this one man said, well, why are we just now hearing about it? And I said, well, honestly, you're the first ones hearing about it. The executive Outside committee, the yeah. right, the executive committee uh, needed to make sure, wanted to make sure that it was a viable option. And it's here because you all have to approve that what the ministry was. This uh, adventure had to be approved by the board. It was one of those. And he was so mad. And it clicked to me that... All of, the, all of the thinking had come from, like, the decisions to do this activity, that activity. Everything had come from round robin at that, at that uh, board table. And they weren't used to outside ideas. And that's part of what really got to them, where people, uh, people were upset that decision, that they weren't part of those, the conversations. You didn't ask and, me. Yeah, and you didn't. Uh, I, I wasn't there for that. I didn't bring. I didn't right. bring that idea. And when you're in a small church, this is a huge issue because Big time. a lot of small churches, regardless of your denomination, there's an understanding, an unwritten understanding, and then some denominations there's a written understanding. I, but that that's we, misinterpretation. We are yes, of course, it's a misinterpretation. But we're congregational. We are small. Everyone's opinion matters. We should ask and pull everyone and the majority rules. And here's my challenge to you. Find me one time in Scripture, one single time, where the majority ever got it right. 
There is not one time. Two votes that we know of in the New Testament. Right. And both times they, uh, one, one <laughs> it put was Jesus, disastrous. One put Jesus on the cross. The other one, the boat sank. It's right. in the book of Acts. Acts. So here's, here's the reality, folks, is that this is a, a theocracy as it's meant to be. That we that as leaders we need to do what is best right. for the church, right. not the best for the members. What's the best for the church? And if you're going to have a tomorrow, if you're not going to be small, unsustainable, dying survival mode right. church, you're going to have to make some decisions that are not going to be popular right. because it's not what we've always done. And whenever there's change, someone gets their nose bent, and nose out of joint, whatever it is. Right. They, they get their, their hair out of all messed up, regardless. They, the key is, is that the decisions to grow the church and to make decisions that, that will change so that the church can grow, is, is when, it's, when it's a majority rules, those changes will not get made. I want to say this. It's not always the majority rules. It's everybody rules, right? right. The majority is the, they're the ones who come up with it. They're usually the, the most vocal or whatever. But, but what can hold them at bay is not everybody's on board. Like you have to wait till you have 100% complete. And you're not going to get completely that. Completely unanimous. You're not going to get that. Okay? Well, if you, if you do, because I know some small churches that do, but they stay small. Right, exactly. Right? I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. You're going to have to you're gonna ruffle some feathers. There's the word, finally, I was looking for, the ruffle Ruffling some feathers, feathers if you're going to make the decisions that are necessary to grow a church. Because, and it, it comes back to a question, you, a question that you pose to asking congregation is, how is that working yeah, for you? Yeah, that's big. You know, we've always done it that way. How did that work? Well, back then, that's not back then. And yeah. you've been doing this for the last five years, two years, whatever, since COVID. And how is it working for you? Well, it's not working. Well, so why do you think it's going to start working right. if we don't make changes? You've got to make changes. You've got to get out of survival mode. You've got to start looking out beyond yourselves and saying, you know, we, we may have to sacrifice of uh, maybe some of other things we like, right. and maybe even we may even actually lose, lose some people because, yeah. and you know, we've got to. You choose who you lose. Right. I mean, let's right. be real, right? We talk about that all the time. Right. Okay. So and then the, the, the depression. There's, you know, we, we've got to be people of hope, churches of hope. Again, not looking at survival, but looking at and looking how we can solve the problems of our community not on a systemic level, but on an individual level, whether it's a financial issue or a marriage issue, whatever. And then finally, we got to deal with decision-making. You know, we got to get the decision being, decisions being made by those few people who are actually in the trenches and really have what, what's best for the church in mind, not what's best for the, the congregation necessarily. So there are so many ways, so many tools that you can use. We can't possibly cover it. We, I mean, we're really good at putting out what the problems are and just touching on a few, hey, but uh, you know, how to deal with depression and self-esteem. That's, think like a psychologist, right? And uh, decision-making, again, there are ways to get to a healthy decision-making process. That's what we're here for. I keep saying that over and over again. That's what we're here for. You would go to a doctor if you had, if you were depressed or, you know, or a counselor, if your self-esteem was getting in your way, uh, you know, if you weren't able to make good, healthy decisions, you're like your family's falling apart because your decision making isn't working. We're, we're church doctors and we can help you with that. We want to help you with that.
but we're out of time. We so you'll, are. you'll have to find some of the other tools. Make sure you look us up at EffectiveChurch.com. Right. And follow me on Facebook because there's lots of good stuff that I'm providing for every folks. Every day, every week. There we are. So good to see you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. Bye.